You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, mom. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales Packard and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay Millie's Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast, and I want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday. This is the Wednesday show, and I am John Corrales of the Rain and Jays, here to walk you through just a little bit of a different show since there's not a ton going on that we're going to pattern an entire podcast around, but there are little things, and uh, I did a radio hit with Rich Kimball in Bangor, Maine on The Zone. I'm going to share that, touched on a few different topics later on, a little bit on the pre-draft workouts, and uh, I'll just play the audio from the Kevin Porter Jr. media availability. I know there's high interest in him, some controversy around him, supremely talented guard out of USC, some issues which he addresses. Uh, we didn't really get into the suspension, but uh, I will get into a little bit of what Austin Ainge said about that. So that's kind of the layout of the show. Today's show is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. And Grip 6 Belts. Ultra lightweight, no holes, no flap. It's a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip 6 and they have a special offer for you at Grip6.com. That's the number 6. Grip6.com slash Locked. Really appreciate all of you who are downloading the new Himalaya podcast app and using that to subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast or all of the Locked On podcasts out there. You can also subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast, which I and Jake Madison host on Wednesdays. So that's another podcast from us, a full podcast covering Anthony Davis, covering the uh, Lakers mess covering the game three preview of the uh, NBA finals. So go ahead and subscribe to locked on Celtics and locked on NBA on the Himalaya podcast app. It's free, super easy to use. It has every one of these podcasts that we're talking about on there and you can create a personally, or they will create a personally curated playlist just for you based on your interests and compiled by their expert podcast tastemakers couple of things to address, or one thing really to address, is a new rumor, new Kyrie Irving rumor. I wish I had a sound effect. Somebody suggested on Twitter that I create a sound effect for Kyrie Irving rumors. It's not even a rumor, okay? Uh, and I hesitate to give it much credence other than to say Stephen A. Smith is so often wrong that just keep, just take it with a grain of salt. Because a few weeks ago he said, Kyrie to the New York Knicks was a certainty, a near certainty. That's why he said it. Then on Tuesday, he said, Kyrie has given every indication that he's going to the Brooklyn Nets and not the New York Knicks. So 
there are a couple of things here. Either he is unreliable and often wrong, or Kyrie Irving doesn't know what the hell he wants to do. And either way, it just goes to show you that there's a lot still really up in the air when it comes to free agency, Kyrie Irving. There are, and we talked about it yesterday in the podcast, there, there's some repairing, I guess, of things between him and the city of Boston or the team. And I'm sure once you get back, if he does come back, you get back in a training camp, you work things out, it, it'll, it'll end up being fine. It's a learning experience for every, everybody involved. If he goes, he goes, and the Celtics move on. That's just how it works. It's how this business works. But keep in mind that certain sources have certain motivations. Stephen A. Smith, New York guy, New York Knicks fan, very interested in Kyrie going to the Knicks. And all of a sudden, the Brooklyn Nets have kind of horned in on a lot of this action. Why are the Nets suddenly involved? Well, it seems like all of these rumors are coming directly from the Nets. And that's really the point I want to make. You have guys from New York media all of a sudden throwing the Nets out there. All of a sudden, Stephen A., the New York guy, is getting Brooklyn Nets. And even how he phrased it, where he said, I have learned Kyrie Irving has given every indication to the Brooklyn Nets that he wants to go there. He's given every indication to the Brooklyn Nets. Well, how how has he gotten that information. He says later on in his quote-unquote report that he didn't talk to Kyrie. So he obviously didn't get it from Kyrie. He got it from the Nets or somebody close to the Nets or somebody in the Nets or whatever it was. And I feel like the Nets are the ones putting this out there. The Nets want to trade for Anthony Davis. They want to be the team that combines those two. They want to move on from D'Angelo Russell and upgrade to Kyrie Irving. And they don't want to have to pay D'Angelo Russell. But they will, I suppose, if they don't get Kyrie. So, that's... Just got to keep in mind where certain rumors are coming from. They're all coming from somewhere. And, as I've said, they're not really coming from Kyrie's camp. Because nobody's in Kyrie's camp. And the few people that may be plugged into Kyrie haven't really done any of the reporting. They Or they haven't come out and said anything. So, just something to watch for. And it's hard to say how much of this is fact and fiction. He may actually go to the Brooklyn Nets. That's not to say that Stephen A. was right necessarily. He got information from one side of it. Maybe Kyrie decides that that's where he wants to go. Who knows? Who knows? It's so, so wild. But uh, we're going to have to wait and see. So that's my little Kyrie thing. When we come back after the break, we'll just go right to it. Rich Kimball and I talk about a lot of things. We talk about Anthony Davis. We talk about the NBA Finals. And then after that, we'll get to the pre-draft stuff. Stick around for more on the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Hey, we're back here on Downtown on a Tuesday afternoon. It's time for us to talk basketball as we do every week at this time with John Corrales of MassLive.com and the Locked on Celtics podcast. What is this I see from you, John? Trade talk time has begun for the Pelicans and Anthony Davis. Yes, indeed. 
they have been trying uh, to convince him to stay. Uh, that's they're probably still their number one goal, but knowing what they know and probably hearing that he's still not backing off his trade request, they have to listen to offers. And maybe something can come up between now and whenever uh, their deadline is to make that trade that, that changes his mind. But it sure seems like the Pelicans understand what's at stake and they're, they're better off in trying to use him to build a team around Zion than trying to prolong something and really miss out on an opportunity because if they don't make a deal with the Celtics, if they do value the Celtics package, they don't make a deal with the Celtics around the draft, then that package tends to go away and they'll have to take something of lesser value. So they, they, they may be trying to put some pressure on the Celtics, but they have pressure on themselves too. So I think this is the process of really listening to these other teams and figuring out how do we build around Zion and just moving on from the Anthony Davis mess. They want draft picks, obviously, and you mentioned it begins with the Memphis Grizzlies pick and then some players involved as well, possibly more picks. Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. How many of those three would it take along with draft picks? Well, that goes to, I mean, that's that's what David Griffin is going to have to determine. It's possible to do it with Marcus Smart and one of those guys. And if they sign the 14th pick, let's say they make the 14th pick for the Pelicans and they sign that player, they can use that salary to aggregate and match in a trade. And then from there, I think, you throw in like a Robert Williams and the Memphis pick, and that that works. Um, if for some reason that uh, Griffin values the Lakers package or another team's package more, and Danny Ainge absolutely feels pressure, they can do it by adding Jalen and Tatum and that 14th pick without just trading the rights to the guy. That works financially, too. That's a lot. It's a, it really is a lot. And, and I think it's Ainge's preference, knowing what the landscape is, knowing that Brandon Ingram has a blood clot issue that may be problematic, knowing that that fourth pick isn't as valuable as maybe even the Memphis pick moving forward. I think Ainge is trying to get a package around Smart and Tatum keeping Jalen Brown or keeping Jason Tatum and trading Jalen Brown and then the, the picks and and maybe a, a Robert Williams. Yikes. Well, you mentioned the Knicks and the Lakers as potential suitors. Who else might be involved? Are there other teams that not only would have an interest, but would have something the Pelicans might want? Uh, there is uh, the Brooklyn Nets have certainly had uh, reported interest. They, they may be able to swing a deal where you throw D'Angelo Russell, uh, who had a, a really good season as a restricted free agent. So there may be some sign-and-trade possibilities there. They, they could also throw in like a Karis LeVert or Jared Allen, good young players. Uh, the draft pick is, wouldn't be as valuable, though, because they would be become a good team, theoretically, pursuing Anthony Davis to also sign Kyrie Irving. I don't think they would do one without the other. Um, and so the, the draft picks that they, they would offer wouldn't be quite as valuable. Uh, other teams that have 
potential. I mean, there's there's always dark horse. I mean, they're, they're, the the Clippers could be a factor as well. They've got young talent. They've got Shea Gilgis at Alexander. Um, they've got Montrezl Harrell. Uh, there's possibilities there. And then you look at dark horses like Denver, Portland, maybe even a Dallas. Uh, but Denver and Portland are very uh, intriguing to me. Denver could be looking to consolidate some talent there and and trade a bunch of good young players for a great one. Or Portland is super interesting because they, like the Toronto Raptors last year, may decide we've gotten as far as we're going to get with this roster. We're not going to be a championship team. And they'll have to do what Toronto did in trading DeRozan for a star player. They might have to move like a C.J. McCollum and run a package around those guys, you know, whatever young guys you attach to C.J. McCollum, and give New Orleans a more of a win-now scenario. So there are a lot of different teams that offer a lot of different roads for the Pelicans. It's just a matter of what that ownership and what David Griffin really values the most. Talking with John Corrales here on Downtown. Well, if that doesn't work out, are there needs that the Celtics have that they can address in the draft? And to address those, will they have to perhaps move up? It depends on how they are constituted after the trade fails. So if Anthony Davis doesn't materialize, if Kyrie Irving leaves, does Al Horford leave? And then if Al Horford leaves, then you're really building through the draft. You start to shift your focus to, all right, it's, it's Tatum, Brown, Smart. That's our new core. Uh, and they're going to start using those picks. I don't know that you can package 14, 20, and 22 to move up. Uh, I don't think you can move up very far. I don't know that any team in that range of, what, 8, 9, 10, maybe, uh, you could you could try to move up there. I, I don't know that that has enough value because the talent level in this draft between 8 and 14 or even below that is all very kind of equal. Uh, unless you're, you have a target and the top of the, bra- the draft breaks differently than you expect and you feel the need to trade up to get a specific guy, uh, I don't know that, that that trading up makes a ton of sense in this particular draft. I think what they do is they just hope that Tatum and Brown can develop and Tatum can become a number one option. Brown can become a solid number two. Smart can, can run the point. Uh, that Hayward is also in there, and depending what they do with Hayward, maybe they maybe in that scenario you, you trade Hayward to a, somebody and, and try to get assets for him. Uh, if that's possible, or you just roll with Hayward for a couple of years and see see what you get. But uh, in the draft, there there are potential, and it depends on how things break again uh, at the top of the draft. But they worked some guys out today that that are interesting. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. is a very interesting prospect who's got a very high upside, but has question marks. Uh, they brought in like a Tyler Hero from Kentucky, that's, that's just a top level shooter. Uh, so there, there are guys in this, in this upcoming draft that can become good role players, maybe, maybe more than that. Maybe, maybe Porter becomes a star if he can figure things out. But uh, I don't know if this is the draft that they, you get your next like, number one option. See, they brought in Greg Oden as well. He wants to get into coaching, apparently. 
yeah, that, that was an interesting surprise to see Greg Oden out there uh, and in town to work with these young prospects. Oden has tried everything to to play, and, and he's just his basketball playing career is over. So he has now focused on coaching, and he is getting a a similar thrill in working with young guys, teaching them a few things, watching those skills translate, and, and enjoying that these guys become better players. And I know that when you use the play and when you can give somebody the knowledge of what you used to do, and if that knowledge helps a person get better, you feel like you're passing on something. There's a part of you that is continuing on. It's a legacy. It's almost like a parental child thing where you see a child growing into a person. You feel like there's part of you there. Uh, it's the same thing with coaching and developing young players. And that's something that he made clear speaks to him. And he's trying to get into the coaching world. This is the very, very initial steps. He started doing it at Ohio State. He's, he's doing these things here and there with the Celtics and whichever other team may have him in to kind of get his perspective, and he's making his connections and laying the groundwork for that. And it's just an interesting next step for a guy that many thought was going to be one of the great players in the NBA. Let's talk a little finals here. Series all tied up in a game apiece. The scene shifts to Golden State, and that would certainly seem to give them an advantage. At the same time, no Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson day-to-day, Steph Curry apparently not feeling great. What do you think going forward as we move out to Oakland? Yeah, Kevon Looney being out for the rest Mm. of the series is a big deal, too. Uh, They are (laughs) really, to say they're banged up is an understatement. And this is maybe the greatest challenge that this Warriors team has faced because there is adversity beyond what's in their heads. They have to now overcome these physical limitations. And, and they traded away the, the depth for the right to have a guy like Kevin Durant on the team. And the, the frontline talent was supposed to make up for the lack of depth. And that lack of depth now with Looney out, that, that's going to be challenged. And you're asking Quinn Cook to do a lot of things. And uh, DeMarcus Cousins it was extraordinarily valuable. Uh, I thought he was, after game one, going to be an afterthought. Now they need him to be the boogie of old. And in game two, despite playing about 10 more minutes than expected, he was vital. His passing, more than anything, his passing was huge for the Warriors. He's going to have to do that again. And now the more guys that need, you need to step up, the more you need the guys in the back end of that to step up. And now I would say the Andrew Bogut signing becomes super important. And that was a throwaway thing, I thought. And now Bogut's going to have to come in and give them 10, 15 good minutes because they don't have many other options. Uh, Clay Thompson's questionable. I know Durant's out for game three. They'll get a boost from being at home, but uh, that crowd's going to have to do a lot of work themselves Mm. uh, to really make the Raptors feel uncomfortable. Uh, The only thing that I think from a Warriors perspective that helps them is that it does appear that Kawhi Leonard is also not 100%. And if he's not at 100% and he's not able to fully carry the Raptors, then a lot of Raptors' flaws become exposed. 
And uh, I, I think some of those things we didn't really see much because Kawhi was so good in the previous rounds. Uh, if he if he's not 100% and if he's dragging a little bit, if that thigh is not cooperating with him, then that, that really levels the playing field a lot. So we're in for uh, like a battle of attrition. It's going to be like the last man standing <laughs> by, by the end of Game 7 probably. Great insight. As always, John Corrales, MassLive.com. And the Locked On Celtics podcast. John, we thank you. Have a great week. We'll check in next Tuesday. You got it, man. Thanks. Always enjoy talking to Rich. I do it every Tuesday on The Zone in Bangor, Maine. Follow Rich, downtown Rich K on Twitter. Uh, always, like I said, so I've been doing that for a long time. It's fun. It's fun. I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, we continue to do that throughout the summer. So be sure to tune in for more of those. Those are always shared on Twitter. When we return... More from the Celtics pre-draft workouts, which continued on Tuesday with some big names. Be right back. Big names at the Arback Center. On Tuesday for workouts, all of them perimeter guys, headlined by Kevin Porter Jr. of USC, uh, Lou Dort, Arizona State, Taylor Horton Tucker of Iowa State, Tyler Harrow of Kentucky, Nikhil Alexander Walker of Virginia Tech, and Skylar Flatten of South Dakota State. Four of those guys are projected currently to be first-round picks. Dort is a fifth that could go late first, second round, We'll see how these guys shake out. We know that Austin Ainge, the Celtics director of player personnel, said that they're breaking ties in these workouts. They had a lot of guys on the perimeter to kind of see how they performed against each other. And not only are the Celtics breaking ties, uh, they are, this is as much uh, for these players to break ties amongst themselves. It's not that the Celtics are just trying to get guys and figure out which guy fits at 14, which guy falls to 20 or falls to 22. These guys are trying to make some money here. The 14th pick over a four-year contract, if they get the rookie scale up to 120%, which every team gives, the Celtics give, a four-year contract for the 14th pick is $16.3 million approximately. The 20th pick, $12.4 million. And the 22nd pick, $11.7 million. So the difference between falling a few spots is a significant amount of money. I mean, just falling two spots from 20 to 22 is almost a million dollars. That's, that's a lot of money, especially when you're young. And that's over four years. So that, that really is something you don't want to lose out on money. So these guys go through these draft workouts to increase their stock. One guy trying to increase his stock, especially, is Porter. Kevin Porter Jr. has character issues. He's got, uh, he was suspended indefinitely by USC. He is now in the draft. He is a, a pure scorer, a lefty with a smooth stroke, uh, the ability to get to the rim. He's got some natural abilities that really make him a tantalizing prospect. If he didn't have those character issues, he may be a mid to high lottery pick. 
now there is a possibility of him going 14 or lower in the draft. And the question now for the Boston Celtics is, is he talented enough basketball-wise to be worth the effort on the other side? Can the Celtics put some structure around this guy to make him a worthwhile risk? So, with that in mind, here is Kevin Porter Jr. In his own words, I'll play you the full six-and-a-half-minute availability, everything, and then I'll come back afterwards. How did the workout go for you today? Oh, it went good. I just came in trying to uh, have that mentality to just work hard and hustle and do what I do whatever I'm capable of doing, but showing that I'm trying to get better at my weaknesses too. So it went good. Now you went to a high school where there are a couple guys who played for the Boston Celtics. I think Nate Robinson, uh, Terrence Williams. Have you had any kind of contact with them at all about just what it's like being here or anything like that? Um, no, actually. Um, I, this is me. Like uh, I just flew here, so like I haven't <laughs> I haven't got the chance to uh, tell them about the workout or anything because uh, we started early and. Um, they're in Seattle, I think, so yeah. like the time difference is crazy. But I'll definitely be talking to him, uh, tell him how it was, and ask him like how it was Boston, stuff like that. IT, of course, him too. So yeah, I, no, actually, I was asking if you had talked to him before you got oh, yeah. here. No, nah, no, nah, I haven't. Okay, and I know I think Jamal is your is a mentor for you. This is my big brother. Yeah. How, how has he helped you kind of prepare for this process? Um, he he definitely helped me uh, since I was young in high school. He just um, gave me a little little pieces of, to the puzzle, really. Just told uh, told me how it was and how I got to prepare for him mentally and just be me and just uh, go at my own pace and show him what I'm capable of doing. And I know, obviously, your first year at USC didn't go the way you wanted mm-hmm. to. It didn't go the way the team wanted to as far as wins and losses. Yeah. There were a lot of questions raised about Kevin Porter Jr. How have you handled those questions? I know you've been getting from a lot of NBA execs and coaches. Yeah. Uh, I just handle them one day at a time, really. A lot of things... Uh, happened uh, this year at USC, so um, I kind of just took it as a learning experience, really, and um, it helped me, it helped me, because I've never been through adversity by myself, that's my first time moving from my family, so uh, it definitely, uh, it helped me prepare for bigger, bigger uh, adversities. What was the toughest thing you had to get used to, though, when you got to USC that maybe kind of threw you off your game and made it a little bit tougher than you probably obviously expected it to be? Um, trusting myself, really. Um, just knowing my body and my health, uh, put my health first. There was a lot of things that I sacrificed, and um, I came back too early from my injury, and it kind of threw my whole year off. So um, just just really trusting myself, trusting my body, and uh, listening to it. You brought up Isaiah. What's your relationship like with Isaiah? Everybody from Seattle, we're like one. So like IT, Jamal, Terrence, Nate, Zach, all them, all them. All them guys, we just stay together. We come, uh, they come back on the off season. In the summer, we play five on five at a uh, at Rainer Beach. So um, and Jamal got a pro too, so we all playing that. Dejounte, uh, that's you played with him, man. Yeah, yeah. He was a uh, senior. I was a freshman at Rainer Beach. So um, we all just stay together, really. And they give me advice, me being the youngest one. And um, so like, I'm just grateful and blessed, really. How many workouts have you done so far? This is my second, so I'm really just getting into it. And um, the first one was the Spurs, and this is my second one. So um, I just I feel satisfied how it worked out for sure. Being uh, still new to it, my third one I feel like will be uh, the best one out of all of them though. I'm so I adapted so well to it. Where's that gonna be? Um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many, do you, how many do you plan to do all together? I think eight. 
seven or eight, seven or eight. Yeah. What was the competitiveness like of this workout in particular? I mean, you got a lot of good guys and mm-hmm. the drills too. Yeah. Um, all of us, like we know each other. So like me, Tuck, Lou, Ty, like we all know each other. We all played against each other. So really, at the end of the day, um, we're just trying to make each other better. So like knowing knowing the guys that's in here, uh, that that drive and that that competitive that competitive uh, level goes up. So um, it was very competitive, and uh, we worked. Everybody worked. We made each other better for sure. We all tired, dead legs. So definitely was a, a good workout for all of us. Celtics have seen, and really every team has seen you play. They they know your game. Uh, when you get into these workouts, what are you hoping that they learn about you that maybe they didn't see on film, and that they can learn with if they get you? Obviously, I'm a uh, my bad, but um, I just want them to know like I'm a high motor guy. Now, um, whatever they ask, I'll adapt to it. And really, um, my motor's been questioned. So I just want to come out and show them that I really love the game. And I'm passionate about it. And I work, and I work, I work, I work every day. How have you handled just the, the fact that you, there are a lot of questions about you? I mean, you, yeah. you, know, you came out of high school, five-star recruit, um, big-time talent, and yet, Usually there aren't usually this many questions for guys after they leave after one year and had the kind of resume you had coming out of high yeah. school. Um, I was a late boomer in high school, so like I didn't really I didn't really get that uh, that that national kind of known uh, rep after it was kind of like after my senior year. So like, um, but like locally, I always was questioned about my motor and stuff like that, just because like it was. It, I wouldn't say it was too easy or anything like that, but I like attend to like sometimes take plays off, which I grew out of. So um, like questions always been asked about me, and um, the people that I really don't know me, I just want to show like I'm a good guy. That, you know, off the court, I'm, my character's high, and I, um, my mom really uh, spent a lot of time raising me. So um, I just uh, how I how I uh, look at it is just I want to represent my mom and myself good. Yeah, just be myself, really. What kind of things in the team do they like to make you maybe uncomfortable in workouts and pick at your weaknesses? What kind of what kind of things do they do down there? To kind of- um, I don't, I don't really, I'm, I'm never really uncomfortable playing basketball. Like, uh, I've been doing this since five, so like, um, I wouldn't say I'm uncomfortable. Like, but if something's new to me, then I'm more than to, to adapt to it and, and get to learn it. And, and work on it. Did they do anything that took you by surprise down there? Uh, definitely. There was uh, there was this one drill. It was coming off two screens, and we had one dribble. And uh, you know, I'm kind of like a like a step back kind of ISO guy. So like, it really took me by uh, surprise, and I didn't really know what to do from the <laughs> out of one dribble. So uh, I kind of got used to it, and um, throughout the drill, I kind of got my rhythm. So like stuff like that um, that I never done before. Just taking my time to really learn it, get my footwork right. If you want to see that video, I have that video posted on the Mass Live Celtics YouTube page. So go ahead and check that out. And I have the story on MassLive.com. If you go to MassLive.com slash Celtics, I have the story of the Boston Celtics holding the high-powered draft workouts, quote, we're trying to break ties. So you can hear more or read more about what they're doing to try to break those ties. So go ahead and Check out, bookmark the both pages, masslive.com slash Celtics or the Mass Live Celtics YouTube page. Again, that full Porter video is up there. The audio is one thing. You want to see his face. You want to see the, the reactions and whatever. Go ahead and check out that video if you'd like. The reaction from the Celtics when, he, when Austin Ainge was asked about Porter Jr.'s character issues, here's the quote. 
We do a lot of discussions with their staff and people around the program throughout the year, and you learn about their experience in college. You ask the managers and coaches and stuff uh, about them, and then when we bring them into our place, we have a chance to sit down and ask them their version. So some people have told us, you tell us what happened, uh, because everyone deserves to have both sides of every story, good and bad, so we can get the kids' perspective on their season, both on and off the court. Uh, He also added... That Porter Jr. is, quote, really talented, still young, has some growing up to do, but the upside is legit. Interesting that he said, has some growing up to do. Uh, That's an acknowledgement that some of these issues, whatever they are, and I still don't know specifically what happened, uh, whatever happened, there is some legitimacy from the USC side that Porter wasn't railroaded. He wasn't uh, targeted. He wasn't set up. There's legitimate issues here. And so he still has some growing up to do fine. A lot of people still have some growing up to do. Uh, this kid is what 19, 20 years old. Uh, he's had a rough, rough life, uh, through his father's murdered very young when he was very young. Uh, he's been raised by his mom and, and he gave a lot of credit to his mom and, and he's from Seattle, a very tight knit basketball community there. All of the guys that have come out of there are are very much uh, trying to get the other guys, the other talented guys, to get their fair share. So Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, all of those guys go back. They help guys like Porter out. So he does have a support system. There is maturing. Fine. Um, now it's up to the Celtics to talk to him, see what lies there. And is it, like I said, is it worth the effort or is he just too far gone maturity wise? I hate to say it because in real life, not basketball terms, in real life, the kid should get the help that he needs to grow up and not waste this talent because he is extraordinarily talented. The kid deserves to have a a shot here. Um, So, but in basketball terms, you're talking about the draft. You're talking about selecting a guy and giving him, like I said, potentially $16 million if he's available at 14. And this is a business and it's a brutal business and you have to make a decision. This is a $16 million investment here. What is, are you able to make this investment now knowing that it's going to pay off in the goal that you're trying to set here, winning basketball. Are you going to actually produce a winning basketball team? This is not a charity. I'm sure the Celtics or others would be happy to point him in the right direction and get him the help that he needs. Again, in real life, off the court, outside of the NBA business, he needs to get all of those issues straightened out so he can live a long, happy life and, again, not waste this talent. So interesting uh, scenario there. Uh, he sounds like he has a grasp, Porter does, on some of the things that uh, have plagued him. Um, maybe looking back on it later on, depending on how much comes out, maybe some of it may seem dismissive in hindsight. Maybe some of it will be right on. We don't know, and we don't know where he's going to fall. We don't know what the Celtics are going to do with those draft picks. 
14 may or may not be a Celtics draft pick, depending how the Anthony Davis trade pans out. It was reported on Tuesday that the Pelicans are listening to offers now. That's one of the things that we talked about in the Locked On NBA podcast. So go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On NBA as well as Locked On Celtics on the new Himalaya podcast app. It is free, super easy to use. All of the Locked On podcasts are out there, and you can create shareable playlists. Build a podcast playlist, buy the episode, customize it, just like a song playlist on Spotify, and share it through social text or email. You can also subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts exist. For those of you who are subscribers, we appreciate it. Give us that five-star rating and a good written review. Want to also thank our sponsors once again. Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And Grip 6 Belts. Ultra lightweight. No holes. No flap. Great Father's Day gift. I use one. I wear one. Go to Grip6.com. The number 6 slash lock L-O-C-K-E for a special offer Thanks for listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more than just me because Danny Ainge is speaking uh, on Wednesday at the practice facility. I'm sure it's going to be a wide-ranging conversation. Lots to get to with that. So stick around. The Thursday podcast will be all about Danny Ainge and what he says about the team. So be sure to subscribe and come back for the next Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.